when you're looking at kids from all different backgrounds and all different colors, and then there, there's always these simple truths that these stories are. They want, there's justice, there's love, there's um, magic, there's betrayal. Like there's all these themes that are very universal that we all can relate to. Hi, I'm Melissa Peterman, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we look for the light and sometimes we shine the light into the darkness to discover there's still good and lots of it happening in this shared world of ours. Speaking of our shared world, we continue to invite you to share our good podcast with your friends on social media. Subscribe on whatever pod platform you listen in on. And please, yes, rate and review us. The more of you who do this, the more of other people we can find and help spread the good and truly make this a world gone good. So theater has always been a big part of my life. You can look no further than our Musicals Gone Good show, where I spoke of the very first Broadway show I ever saw. Scroll through our episode guide wherever you are listening to find that super fun previous episode. But I wouldn't have some of my most dear and important friendships if it weren't for theater. I met my longtime friend Denise Alexander when I cast her in my very first play I wrote, directed, and produced Mother's Day way back in 1993, and many of my other really strong and wonderful friendships were born through my shows, like 15 Minutes of Femme and Slideshow. In fact, I wouldn't have gotten my first big break if it wasn't for a one-act play festival where one of my short plays I wrote was seen by some folks at Warner Brothers who then called me up and said, hey, we want to meet with you. And the next thing I know, I have a career, and it is 22 years later, and I owe it all to theater. I love theater because it's live, and it's happening in that very moment, and that moment is being collectively shared by the people on the stage and the people in the audience. There are times that are just absolute magic. And someone who definitely understands the absolute magic of theater is another longtime friend of mine, Melissa Peterman. You may know Melissa from her roles as Barbara Jean on Reba or Bonnie on Baby Daddy or her own series she produced and starred in called Working Class or any of the game shows she's been a guest on and kicked ass on or maybe the Food Network or perhaps you saw her at the Hollywood Bowl. She hosts the Sound of Music sing-along every year or you know what? You might have gone all the way back to her very first role as hooker number two in the Academy Award winning Fargo. Melissa and I met 20 years ago, and she is as shiny now as she was back then, maybe even shinier. She joins me today to talk the good of her favorite organization, the Unusual Suspects Theater Company. Melissa Peterman is with me, and I am going to ask her the very first question. It's a very, very difficult question. Melissa Peterman, do you remember how we met? We met shooting promos for the Reba TV show. You're amazing. And do you remember how amazing you were? Pat yourself on the back. Well, I love that you say that because in, in, you know, retrospect, I was probably terrified, nervous. It was my first like 
job that I was, you know, it was a big deal. And I had never done any, I haven't done a promo before. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I appreciate that because I just went in there and had a great time and I was so happy to be there and excited. And yeah, it was so much fun. Did we not, was this the one where, was there a trampoline involved in this one? Was there jumping? I think that was a future one. This okay. one was more of like, a, it was, it was right at Christmas time. When I, Christmas. I knew what it was. Yes. And it was more of a glamour shot kind mm-hmm, of one. Mm-hmm. And the great two things about you was um, I was given allowed to direct the shows that I did. So I did Reba and For Your Love, I think, and and one other, I can't remember what it was called. But um, for yours, so many of the people who came out didn't know what to do or didn't want to be there. You just came out and I didn't even say action. At one point I was like, or or like start or three, two, one. You were just going and I turned to the AD. I go, we're, we're filming her, right? And they're like, yeah. And we filmed you for like, I swear to God, seven minutes. There were props and things. There might've been a beach ball or something. I don't yes. remember. You were throwing shit around. You were w- winking and saying, and you're like, what am I doing? And you're like talking and stuff. And then I go, and cut. And you're like, is that, is that it? Did we do it? And I'm like, you, and do you remember what I said to you? I came up to you and I said, you need to give a class because that was gold. <laughs> yes. You know, I, again, it's that thing where, you know, I, I think I've just been doing that my whole life and there just wasn't a camera there. So finally, I got a camera to, to do that. I, you know, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Cause you're so good at putting them together. So I don't know. Maybe it's the improv thing. Maybe it's that just so grateful to like get to do what I love. And, you know, and when people like, I still, and we've talked about this before that, you know, in the business, doing promotions and like getting to getting to promote your show when they're spending time and money to promote a project that you're on, you should be so excited to be there. Um, so I don't understand people who would ever like, I got to go do promos. I'm like, you get to go do promos because you're on a TV show, something you've dreamt about your entire life. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. The other thing you did that was absolute gold is we had about a uh, hundred plus affiliates and what we did was, you know, you always started at the top. And like you just said, we'd have certain people sit in a chair and they'll be like, I'll do 10 of these. And so we'd get the big ones done, New York, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Chicago. But what I started doing is I put people's hometown or as close to as possible as the very first one. And what would happen is somebody would sit in the chair and go, uh, you're watching WB45, Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, my God, I'm from Tallahassee. Did you know that? And then me behind the camera, I'd go, you are? I didn't know that. And then they'd loosen up. So I genius. I tried to pull this with you, and yours was. Where are you from in Minnesota? Uh, well, Minneapolis probably was the the affiliate, but maybe it was. You know, I was in the suburbs of Minneapolis, St. Paul. It came up on the prompter, and you delivered it like gold, right to camera. And then you look right past camera, and you go, "You knew I was from there. That's why you did that, right?" And you were the only person who, and we all started laughing. And I said, Melissa, you are just a joy because you're the only person who's ever gotten it. Well, I'm now I'm impressed that I did because that's (laughs) such a genius move, Steve. Like, because it does, it makes people feel connected and loosened up. And also they realize that that what they're talking to is they're talking to, um, you know, when you realize I'm telling my friends and family, you guys tune in, I'm watching this, I'm on this show. Then it feels like, oh, I should do this for all over the world, all over the country. Why, you know? Right, right. Do it, and it is as long as you keep it fun. Now we we had a rule, you and I, for a while there that whatever show you were on, I got to do the promos for, and you put them together brilliantly. <laughs> and it was 
was always so funny every time how that worked out because we were not connected in any other way other than just sort of randomly Reba and of course, baby daddy. But you did, I mean, you've done so many different things. You did your own series working class. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite or is it like a kid? We well, only have one kid. So obviously I have a favorite. <laughs> so I have a favorite. Um, no, do I have a favorite show I worked on? Is that the question? A favorite character you played? I think that there's a little bit of me in each character that I do. And so, and some of them are the me that I don't often get to express. So sometimes that's super fun. Like I thought with Bonnie and baby daddy is like, she's, you know, she's, there's things that are similar. Like she's a mama bear and she's maybe got no boundaries sometimes, but I would never have the confidence that that woman had to walk into a room. You know, she's like 40 plus she has baggage. She's, you know, she walked into every room. Like why won't everyone want to talk to me? I'm Bonnie Wheeler. And I loved that part about her. That was so much fun to get to do because what I loved about um, just that character in general, she was a woman of, you know, she was older. I wasn't like the 20 something, you know, of the show, but she had more confidence and she was, you know, out there dating. And like, she, I love that Dan, you know, made, you know, she was a force of nature. And a lot of times those characters are just like the mom role. And she was more than that. And I just liked that it was a woman who was, who was not the ingenue and that who had such a, just such a, she had balls, like she was ballsy. And like, she just walked into a room and I love that. Um, And then for Barbara Jean, I mean, I think that's just such a beloved thing because A, there's just so many things tied up in that memory of that show, which is um, the friendships, the, the things that we all went through during that. I had my baby during that show, you know, Joanna, like I just, we all like were having really big milestones in our lives during for me, the first time on a series. So there's so many special things wrapped up in that character. And I love that character too, because, you know, as comp, as simple as she sometimes seems, she was very complex. And, and I love that you, I always was very careful as were the writers and, and um, that I didn't want people to love to hate her. I wanted to hate that they loved her so much because she came with such a, what I wish that I had more of in my character of Barbara Jean is she, she expects the best from people all the time. She walks into a room and is like, well, why would they, they wouldn't be lying to me. They wouldn't be tricking me. She, she's the epitome of maybe world gone good. She expects everyone to be good and have, why, why wouldn't they want to be my friend? Why wouldn't they want the best for me? So when things, when she, when they aren't, it's so disappointing to her. And it's just, I like that. I like that part about her. She was interesting too, because she was such a warm, caring, loving person who in the very pilot episode breaks up a marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, and, and which is one of my favorite, which was probably the line in the audition, like that I just felt like I wanted to do it so bad. It was a conversation with Reba because there's this woman who's so warm and she's, she's, you know, she's going to church every Sunday and yet she's the one who breaks up a marriage. And there was that line that Reba says, so when you go to church, Barbara Jean, do you sit in a regular pew or is there a section for adulterers? And in that audition, I, I improvised sort of a line like, well, actually um, I sit with the choir because I sing like that Reba's completely <laughs> serious. Yeah. And like that, that I would take it like it's a serious question. Like, you know, that she wouldn't, she didn't assume that that was a completely insulting, trying to cut her down and make her feel bad. And Barbara Jean's, that's just a sincere question that she's answering. So I had to, I had to, I just remember like, that's how you got to play it. Like you have to play that she is sincere about it and she does feel bad, but she's like, but she doesn't understand why 
why wouldn't we be best friends? We have so much in common, like <laughs> your like your husband, you're like your husband's DNA, your husband's DNA, yes. Yeah, I so I I mean I guess I can't really pick because you love them all and I love right now I'm playing Brenda Sparks on on Young Sheldon and like this season you know she started off as that mean neighbor who just walks you know who sort of seemed sort of what you see is what you get that just like your kid's weird and he's making my kid look weird and and then they slowly what I love about the writers the writing on this show is that there's so many little layers and then you see that she's she's not doing great all the time either. And that she worries about her kid. And just like Mary worries about Sheldon, she worries about Billy, but for totally different reasons. You know, she's, you know, Sheldon is probably going to college too early. And my kid, I'm worried if he'll ever go, you know, right, right. They're both moms who worry that need friends. And then this season, they sort of had this where she, Brenda loses, um, you know, she admits that her husband's left her. And like, I, what I love about that show is that you know, sometimes it's just a couple pages, but they're so concise and precise in their dialogue that they can tell so many things in a short page, whether it's a heartbreak or a laugh. And so I don't know, I don't have a favorite, but I would say that there's something very special about that first, that the Reba TV show, because we were, it was just the first thing and we were all so close and all going through so many different, like Chris Rich had his kids during that. I, I think Steve met his, um, met Sarah during that. Like there was just big milestones and it was a lot of firsts for all of us. You and I, after that promo shoot, that very first promo shoot where we met, I came into your dressing room and I said, you're fired, leave now. We're not validating parking. No, I said, I said, so Melissa, I know we don't know each other. Here's my card. Random, random question. I might be doing this theater project um, featuring one woman shows. Would you want to host tonight? And you just looked at me and you're like, yes, of course, I'd love to. And you said something to me. You said that you started out in theater doing, you know, theater and one woman shows and improv. So talk to us about that. I went to college. I went to Mankato State, which is now Minnesota State and has a great theater department and uh, was a theater major, loved it. Um, And then you know, in high school, I was sort of dipping my toes in, like I knew I wanted to do it, but I was, it was still a little scared sometimes, but I did plays in high school. I did a a show called Showtime, which was sort of a variety show. And so I was, I was slowly saying it out loud, what I wanted to do. And then went to college, which it's had a great department, got to meet a lot of still lifelong friends from there and went back to the Twin Cities, which is a, again, a fantastic theater community and did um, Tony and Tina's wedding for like, uh, I think over over 600 shows I did. Wow. And which was like going to grad school for improv because it was some of the funniest improvisers because there's no script except for the wedding portion of that show. So you're improvising every night and every night's different. And so for me, working with some of the funniest, most talented people, including my now husband, John Brady, um, that it it was just, it was awesome for me just every night to work with these people and just, I felt like learn from them. And then, and then I went to brave new workshop, Dudley Riggs, which is basically the second city of Minneapolis where it's, you're writing five shows a year and then you're improvising every night after the shows. That Reba TV show was all from coming to LA and doing um, a showcase like you were going to put on for women at the HBO workspace. So my improv group had come to LA to do a showcase and I got seen by some people that wanted to take meetings. And Greg Orson, I believe, was <laughs> Greg Orson 
brought me in from that for something else. And it wasn't the right part for me, but he got, he said, um, I don't know have the part yet, but I know I'm going to keep thinking of you. And then he brought me in to read for Barbara Jean. Oh, there's the dogs. Um, <laughs> so I have such a big, I, I love live theater. I still want to do more of it. I, and so when you told me that you wanted to give a platform for like, you know, women to like showcase their talents and be seen, I'm like, yes, we need to do that because I, does it doesn't matter if my dogs are barking. Bark away. Okay. Um, because I know for a fact that my first, that, that break, that Reba TV show came from somebody seeing me, the right person seeing you in a room like that. And so I was so excited that you were doing this. And I was like, yes, please. And there's nothing like being in, you know, in a, in a live event or live theater or any of that. So yeah, that was a long answer, but it's very important for people to be seen. And still right now, that's how people get seen they're doing showcases they're doing one woman shows like you need and you're all doing it hoping that so-and-so's in the audience and by the way if you look back at all the women that did your show half of them you see on tv now right it's unreal at times i'm so proud of all of them it all started because so many people said to me will you put up my show will you put up my show we put up my show and i was like oh my god this is exhausting i can't put up 30 40 shows and as a joke i said well i'll just put all of you up and then all of a sudden i was like wait a minute <laughs> what if I did put all of you up? Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Well, that leads to where we're going because the unusual suspects. Yes. I want to say they're more than a theater company. They're like a community. It's like the theater is almost like just the medium for all the other things that it does. Yeah. The Unusual Suspects Theater Company, it's a nonprofit organization. I've been involved for like 15 years, but I've been a board member for almost four. And it brings... um the arts education to kids at risk. And, and we go into schools that, you know, don't have that access. We've gone into juvenile detention centers and it's basically giving people a safe place to write, to create, perform original works that it's their voice. And again, um, a safe, a place to be seen and heard. And, and I, it's so amazing because, you know, it's like people think, well, what does that do? It's like, oh my gosh, just feeling seen and heard, having the confidence to speak out loud, like it affects every other part of their life when they feel um, applauded for something that it, that that came from them. Like I've seen, and and again, I'm babbling, but I've been with them so long. Like you just see a kid who's like their posture changes when when something they've created is seen by people, and it's their story or their words, and you just see them stand up straighter. They have confidence, and they're more confident to speak up in so many other aspects of their life. So. And a lot of these kids, this is their, this is the place that they, they crave. And, and then this year, you know, we, everyone, like everyone, we had to pivot and it's like, how do we create and bring, you know, a performance to zoom and our teacher mentors, our kids, they pivoted. And frankly, they did stuff far more creatively than I could, they, they did stuff they could not have done live. I mean, of course, we're excited to be back in the schools, but, you know, they were creating graphics, um, making like they did soundtracks, art stuff, like when they were performing their plays. So did I explain it right? Go to the website, go to, go to unusualsuspects.org. But it's, the mission is to really, to um, bring arts education to, to kids at risk. And, and it's fabulous. I love them. Do you see your own childhood self when you're, involved with an organization like this? Yes. And, you know, I see myself and I think, okay, so I had a support 
I had a I had parents that were that that you know could put me in theater or give me these things and and so how lucky I was but even then until I found that place and found my my tribe or my people like it was it just was you felt sort of alone and you feel so much you feel safer when you find your people or you have that place to express yourself. So I think about, I look at myself as a kid and go, I had lots of things going for me. And a lot of our kids in our programs maybe don't have, they don't have the access to it. They don't have the, the their parents maybe don't have the time or the ability to get them to these things. So it's like, and then, so when you can give it to them and you see them going, oh, I see you, I can see you, it, you I reminded of myself because I can just see your face going, I found my people. I and it doesn't matter if they're going to go on to become working in this business or not, because that experience will go into everything else that they that they do. Like it's like it's not about creating necessarily performers. It's about giving them confidence and um just a safe space, really. So yeah, I definitely and then you know, I, I've been I zoomed in and would pop into a lot of the Zoom the plays and you see these kids and we go anywhere from like middle school to high schools and and just, I get inspired. And like, there's days where obviously 2020 and now things are getting better, but 2020 was a shit storm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would feel in just why I'm, I have the luxury to, um, I'm safe. I cannot, I'm, I have, we have enough to survive and you still feel crappy. And then I would turn on, you know, I'd pop in and see, you know, uh, Edison Middle School, one of their performances, and I would just, they would, they would inspire me and uplift me. And I'm thinking if these kids can create, write and do a play over Zoom when they're at their houses and they've got things going on and dogs and little sisters and brothers and, and things going on and still come up with something so creative, then Melissa, you better put some pants on that zip and get up and do something, you know, and, and I'm always inspired. And in fact, we have one of the alumni who was, was in the programs, um, he's on our board now and he's phenomenal. And, and so, and we were able to do stuff during the pandemic that we couldn't have doing. We did um, uh, different uh, that, you know, obviously, you know, the beginning was a little tough, but like I was saying, like by the end of it, some of these performances, we had one, one of the kids who, who couldn't, who probably because of the pandemic, who wouldn't have been able to participate because she, um, she was fighting cancer, but because it was Zoom, she, we were we could go to her. She could be with us anywhere. So there was little blessings in that, and I think hopefully some of the great things that we gained from learning to do this and from pivoting will will go into what we can do now and just add on to what we can do now live in the in schools. So they're like some of them are thirteen week programs, and they go in and and the kids write and create, and it's so you know you know this like. Imp we're all born improvisers. We're all born like these, you know, little, little creative creatures that somehow we, you know, as we get older and we could become more aware, we start to edit ourselves and we start to like not want to do things in front of people because we worry about what people will think. And it's about getting them back to that little place of, you know, of which I don't know, is it junior high when we start to worry what other people are yeah, around then? <laughs> Um, but it just watching them break down and kids who never would have maybe hung out together, yeah. get to hang out together. And, um, a lot of the, the alumni that have done, you know, programs every year, like they, I see them, they're like best friends. 
I'm babbling. No, you're not babbling at all. You're you're speaking you're speaking gold. And on that note, I have a question for you that may be, may be a difficult question, maybe a question you're going to say, I don't know if I want to answer that, but I think you will. Okay. You're a white lady with blonde hair from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Many of the students you're working with are brown, black, all over the colored spectrum of skin tones and diverse backgrounds. How does theater create a balancing act between those two things? And how do you relate when you're this much older with all due respect, big birthday coming? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm a really old white lady. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm a really old white man. So who cares? You know what it is? Because I think that um, ultimately in this world where we are all much more aware of the diversity around us in a wonderful way, in a good way, which was long overdue and still has a long way to go. There are some things, simple things that connect all of us. And it's telling a story. It is um, emotions. Like when you're in a, when you're, when someone's telling you a story and we all are feeling something because of the words that this person is telling you, we're all feeling it. Um, When they can get a response from people um, from all ages all colors. When someone's story gets you, it gets you and it doesn't matter. And I think that's that's one of the the great, I don't know, things that we all can understand. A story that that reaches out and grabs your heart or emotions or makes you think, whatever, that is that is what is it? Universal. That's theater can be very universal that way. And I think it's about and also the, the what I like is that their stories, their their perspective. You know, again, when you're looking at kids from all different backgrounds and all different colors, and then there there's always these simple truths that these stories are. They want there's justice, there's love, there's um, magic, there's betrayal. Like there's all these themes that are very universal that we all can relate to. And it's so interesting to me is that whether these kids are in middle school or younger, uh, older that they're, they're such a universal thing and they don't even know it. They may be writing a story about, uh, you know, a, a intergalactic baking competition, but they're actually commenting on what's happening in their world right now, which is complicated and scary. And it's a way for them to process the things around us all that like are scary. Like I, you know, I can't watch some of the stuff going on and it terrifies you. So it's giving them a way to process their stories and their truths. And when they feel heard, they feel powerful. You know what I mean? It gives them power over those situations. So um, I don't know if I quite answered your question, but I my I guess my response would be that when people's stories can connect you and we all can relate to the feeling of love, hurt, um, unfair, um, scared, uh, brave, those themes can connect us all, whether we're an old white lady or a 13-year-old brown or, or, or black young person or whatever. So I think that's what I, I love about it. Well, two things connect with this. One is, is that every role you talked about playing is you you have a gift, as many artists do, actors do, that you find a way to base anything, comedy, drama, whatever it is, in truth and in something that is relatable and in something that, you know, where is this coming from? Why is that funny? Would she really, would the person really say that? And that's a connection. And then on top of that, all those things you just described are what you were just talking about that happened in seventh grade anyway. (laughs) Fear of being brave, fear of being heard, (laughs) you know, scared, you know, all those emotions. 
So I think there is something that connects everything together. So what is happening this month with the unusual suspects, the month of June? Because I saw you did a takeover of their account. I don't know if they knew this on Instagram. I assume that you just broke into their Instagram. Because you know me, if there's anything this old white lady knows how to do, (laughs) it's hacking into computers. (laughs) I'm so tech savvy. I mean, please. I am never going to live down old white lady. Keep going. No, I love it. I'm going to make it for my birthday (laughs) t-shirt. Well, what we're doing is because, you know, we, most galas and most charities and nonprofits had to go virtual to raise money. So last year we did a thing called the Create-A-Thon, which was like basically saying it was sort of like um, a a marathon in a way of like, you know, we're going to, we we're asking our people that donate our supporters to be creative and raise money. So maybe you're going to go out there and go like, my goal is to raise $5,000. And when I do, I'm going to, I'm going to reenact one of the kids plays with my good friend, who's a Broadway actor, and I'm going to put it on, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there on into the world, or I'm going to write, uh, I'm going to write a story. It's about basically using being creative and raising money. So your goal is to, you know, if my goal is $10,000 at the end of the goal, um, I want to get, you know, maybe me and Reba to do one of the scenes from one of the kids plays. So it's about asking, it's trying to make sort of fundraising fun and interesting. And because we ask these kids all the time to go outside of their comfort zone. Sometimes we're asking our board members, our sponsors, our donors to maybe get a little creative and like, you know, maybe they're going to sing a song, do a puppet show and raise money. So basically we're like, give us money. We'll show you how creative we are. And we each have our own pages. Um, and mine is, I, I, my goal is 5,000, but I kind of undercut it. I really want to raise a million, but I always like to less because then I think I can be excited when I get like 10 times more. Um, so yeah, so it's sort of June 1st and we're, and then also we have like raffles, like people who raise the most in one week, they're going to get, we have great raffle items and um, prizes. I know I've donated uh, a giant um, Patron package with some tequila and some, I don't know if I can say it yet, but I'm going to because I donated seats. Uh, we got seats from the Fantastic Hollywood Bowl for Sound of Music Sing Along, which is back for, and we call them our creator raisers. You can go to you can go to um, uh, www.theunusualsuspects.org, um, and you can click on our Create-a-thon, and and you can find out our board members. You can join my team if you want to create with me, and and then on uh, June thirtieth, I think is going to be we'll have a live virtual thing to show our progress. We just, we got to raise money and we're trying to make it fun, funny, and creative. So if you want a great place to donate, go to the unusual suspects because they're fantastic. And it's tax deductible. Yes. Before we wrap up, I have a couple of quick things to say. First of all, you are also in your history of being Melissa Peterman. I don't know how this works, so I want to get it right. You're not, not the worst cook in America. You're not the, (laughs) like, I didn't understand like, because if you think about it, I guess the worst cook in America is Perez Hilton, but he won. So then he's not the worst. So you were second place. Does that make you not not? Well, <laughs> I don't know, but I was robbed. You totally were robbed. And I I would say this to him, too. I joke with him. I was robbed. Well, here's the deal. I I think of it as... That I'm the person because I love Food Network. I'm obsessed. I watch it on the time. I want to. I I'm, love everything about it. But I'm the person that watches it, and it inspires me. So here's the deal. I wasn't like I, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I don't know how to crack an egg. It was more like I can. I'm a pretty okay cook, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And what I loved about the show was I did learn a lot of stuff I did not know. And um, I think I think like a lot of people, you get stuck in like here's the things I make. 
I make this, I make that, and that's what I know I'm good at. And what I loved about what I needed it was a kick in the pants to like go, I, Steve, I never had red wine vinegar in my cupboard. <laughs> I, I have it. I'm, but I'm gay. I'm gay. So I have every vinegar. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying like it was stuff like that. I'm like, why didn't I have that? I love cilantro and lime and that and mixed in there. So it's sort of, I feel like I was repping all the people that watch Food Network on their couch all day long and then order out. But I was like, I'm, I want to be that person that that's the fan that goes in there and is like, I want to be better. I want to I want to know how to do this. So it gave me confidence. I won't lie. I came home. I bought way better knives. I got like little, like, like more cutting. I bought stuff that I didn't have because I think it's so funny. I don't know about anyone else out there, but I laugh like, you know, I'll go buy, you know, new shoes and weird stuff like that. And then I look and go like, I have really shitty pans and a horrible hairdryer. Like it's stuff like this where you're like, why have I had pans for 30 years? Like, why don't I, ha- why, why do I have a cookie sheet that literally looks like a charred chalkboard? <laughs> I could get a new cookie sheet. Why don't I have oven mitts? Like, why am I constantly burning myself using a dish towel? I was about to say, how are you getting things out of the oven? Like, it was stuff like that. Where I'm like, you know what? I, I need to invest in some of those things to become a better cook. So my, I don't know. I, I'm not, not the worst. That's what I'll tell you. And on that note, before we wrap up here, my childhood teenage crush was Valerie Bertinelli, who is one of your friends. Yes. I don't ask a lot of you, okay. but it wouldn't kill you someday to just surprise me with like, oh, Steve, here I am stopping by with my dear friend, Valerie Bertinelli. You're far away. Like, I mean, I could do a video. Would a video help? No, I kind of feel like I have to touch your hair. It smells like lemons. Oh, God. That is what I imagined it smelled like. <laughs> She's phenomenal. She's a great cook. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She's beautiful. By the way, my, get in line. My husband, same way. Like, it's oh, great. Oh, I told you this. It was her, It was Valerie Bertinelli and Dolly Parton. Both times. One was on the Reba show. One was when, because she filmed next door to us on Baby Daddy. Right. She taught in Cleveland. And she was in my dressing room. And I like called John. I'm like, um, oh my gosh, you never even believe it. Like Valerie's hanging out in my dressing room after a taping. And like, she's here. And she's drinking some wine in my dressing room. I swear to God, he was over in like 20 minutes. I was going to say, how quickly did he drive over? And I was like, you never, ever come over. And it's because one day at a time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and she still looks, I mean, she's she's just beautiful. And she cooks food for you. What is, I mean, what is, there's nothing wrong with the this beautiful face bringing you food. Like it's, she's all the good things. Do you think I could just edit this so that the whole show is about Valerie Bertinelli and it won't be scary? <laughs> No, it won't be scary at all. I'll see what I can do about about you meeting her someday. Okay, I appreciate that. We end this show with three questions. Super easy questions. You know the answers. Don't panic. Question number one, where do people find you online to follow you? Um, Melissa Peterman on Instagram. Follow the blonde on Twitter. Although I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be. Um, and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to try to figure out TikTok. I think I'm on there. I haven't posted anything. But Instagram is usually the one. Melissa Peterman. You can find me there. And where do people find the unusual suspects? Uh, then the unusual suspects.org. Uh, and you'll get all your info there. You'll find out what the amazing things that they do. You can find about the creative song. You can find my, my donation page. If you want to donate everything, everything counts and it's wonderful and appreciated. Um, and yeah, that, that's where you got it. Oh, and you can follow me. You can follow us theater co on Instagram, us theater co on Instagram. Great. 
Two final questions. They can go back to anything that we've already talked about or whatever hits you. Melissa Peterman, who inspires you? The kids of the unusual suspects. They do. They really do. They, they, yeah. Like I, I meant it when I said like in the darkest moments of this weird pandemic and this weird time we're all in, if I took the time and if I just gave myself the gift of watching them, I felt, um, which is selfish. They, I selfish, they made, they inspire me because they're doing things that are harder and they do it with such smile and they love it. And I'm like, I got to remember that. I got to remember that feeling of you couldn't, it didn't matter how hard it was or what it was I want to create. And I want to be, I want to do that. So, yeah. And the final question, it's super easy. Can we go back to anything we already talked about or anything you want to say? Melissa Peterman, tell me something good. I, I don't even know if we were recording this, but I go back to something your mom said. We will survive. <laughs> uh, you know what? We will survive and we'll do it because we have, because there's so much good around us. Um, there, We will always survive if you've got friends and you've got laughter. If you've got pets, we will survive. And there's a lot of good out there. And I think sometimes we forget that. I forget it sometimes. You're so good about it. You're putting so much of it out there and we need more of it. I think I told you this. I always would tell Riley when he would ever, when he was little, he would get scared and say things like, you know, but it just seems like there's so much, there's so many people that are just mad. And I, you know, and I would say, Riley, you know, the thing about people that are angry or mad or they're full of, of hate, I go, they're just super loud and loud doesn't, it's just loud. And I go, so we just have to get louder. And it's in things that like that are kindness and good and things that's always it just is a lot quieter. And we have to somehow make that feel louder. And I think that's what you do on on World Gone Good. So we just got to make the kindness and the goodness louder because it's it's just has a it's softer. (laughs) That sounded wise in my head. Edit it. I want to say before we wrap this up, I usually end right there. The music kicks in. Music could kick in in a second. I want to thank you for always saying yes to me. I cannot even, if anyone out there has dared stalk me and followed me through the years, you have said yes to everything. If I started naming all the things from 15 Minutes FM to the two slideshow um, pilots we did, to slideshow itself, to pretty, oh my God, when you, I, <laughs> Melissa, I cast Melissa as, uh, a stripper, possibly hooker. And um, I didn't realize that she was going to show up for her first day in costume and she couldn't get a spot as I'm remembering on Riverside drive close enough to the house. And it was like, you had like an eight o'clock call or something, or maybe eight thirty or nine and in fishnet stockings, you just were hooking on down the street to play a part for me. Not my first time. Not um, this- <laughs> But you, every single thing, even out of my silly little stories with Steve last year, you always say yes. And I I thank you for that. And I appreciate such power in people who embrace the yes. Well, you're, you're, the easy, you're easy to say yes to because you say yes to everyone uh, all the time. And I will always say yes. I'll always say yes unless it's like, oh, we're going to go to CrossFit. Then I'm not going to say yes. <laughs> there you go. That's my line, Steve. After all these years, CrossFit. <laughs> you do not cross that line. I don't cross the CrossFit line. I just don't. I don't even know that much about it, but what I do know, it scares me. 
Thank you, Melissa, for sharing your good. Visit theunusualsuspects.org to support this oh-so-good organization. June is their fundraising month for the entire coming year. Get out there. Help them spread the good. Make some good yourself. Next time on World Gone Good. Your food is traveling on average 1,500 miles from where it's grown or manufactured, and I say manufactured on purpose, to your plate. That is an environmental problem. Greg Peterson, better known as Farmer Greg, lives and curates the Urban Farm in Phoenix, Arizona. Whether you live in a tiny studio apartment or a palatial mansion, whatever size space you have to work with, he is the go-to for starting, growing, and maintaining your own source of food. We are going to talk the good of living off the land or whatever you can fit into your kitchen windowsill, the importance of water conservation and planting trees, and discuss his own podcast of the very same name, The Urban Farm Podcast. Does Farmer Greg believe farming can save the planet? You may be surprised by his answer. I hope you'll join me. Until then, be good.